How are you doing? Good. Good? How about this weather? I'm telling you what, I don't, I don't fast too much, as you can tell. But there was a little bit of fasting and prayer going on last night when I seen the clouds coming in and the, and the wind, and I was like, Lord, don't let it rain, Lord, don't let it rain. To wake up this morning and it just be a beautiful day, I'm like super pumped that you're all here. So, yes. Uh, good morning. Welcome to the Mustard Seed Church. My name is Wayne. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Wayne. I'm the lead pastor here. And we're just pumped that you're here today joining us. We want to say thanks for all the places that you could have went for Easter service. You decided to join us here. And so we're just so grateful that you're here. We pray and hope that today is meaningful to you and speaks to you in some form or fashion. Can everybody hear me okay? Can you see me behind the trees over there? <laughs> right on well hey i wanted to start off our time together by asking a question i read this in forbes magazine are you ready for the question this is the question what is your superpower i know some of you laughed already because that's a weird question right what is your superpower the reason for this question that forbes magazine was asking for it is because if you know anything about movies there has been a rise in superhero movies in our culture today even to the extent to what the new york times says that we have an obsession with superhero movies anybody a superhero fan what i'm not alone on this one right on when we think of superhero movies, we think of Marvel movies, we think of DC movies, we think of Star Wars. We can think of Superman and Batman and Black Panther and Doctor Strange and Obi-Wan Kenobi and the forces with you, right? We can think of Wonder Woman and Thor and Hulk and all this good stuff. I mean, the list goes on and on with superheroes that have superpowers. And this conversation around superhero movies is a place of contention in my house. Can I be vulnerable with you this morning? It's a place of contention within my house. When we sit down to watch movies, my wife wants to watch a movie that's like The Notebook, where there's this guy and girl and they're embracing one another while it's raining and there's a kiss and there's all this and everybody's crying, right? I, on the other hand, want to watch the Hulk and Earth Invaders and him smashing things and all this kind of stuff, right? There's this contention within our house when it comes to superhero movies. And every time I put one on, my wife is like, oh gosh, here we go again. It's that, it's superhero movies and it's golf. Every time I put golf on, everybody leaves the room. I don't understand why, golf is fantastic. Amen? Dang, we got a lot of golfers here, okay. Right on. But it's these superheroes with superpowers. Again, the question is, what is your superpower? Last year in October, we took a trip down to Arizona for the Vineyard National Conference. And at these conferences, when you go to them, there's like all these stickers everywhere. I mean, you could put a sticker on a water bottle, on your backpack, on your kids, on your car. I mean, there's just stickers everywhere that you could put on everything. And one of the stickers that I saw there that super inspired me was, it said this. It said that hope is our superpower. Think about that for a second. Hope is our superpower. 
Brian Stephen, he's an author and uh, a lawyer, and he really steps in when there's like injustices within our country. He kind of shows up on the scene, and there's a voice that speaks against injustice. He said this, he said, I think hope is our superpower. If I've had any ability to do anything, it's because I've been willing to hope for things that haven't been seen yet, and I'm going to continue with that. Hope is our superpower. And can I tell you this today? That hope is needed in our world today. If I'm being honest with you, hope is needed in my life today. And maybe even in your life. The world needs hope today. And there was a survey that came out at the beginning of 2022 in January. And this was some of the, the, the statistics when it came to... Man, that was hard. This is some of the statistics that came out in regards to worry and hope within our culture. Can I read some of them to you? 55% of Americans said that they're extremely worried about our world, our country, and their state of life. 55% of Americans said they're extremely worried. Listen to this. In the same study, only 18% of Americans said that they're hopeful. 18%. Our world is in need of hope today. I'm in need of hope today. You're in need of hope today. And so maybe for you, hope is what you need today. Maybe for you, you're, you, you too are worried about the state of our world. Or you're worried about job security and money. And you're maybe in over your head with debt. And there's just a weight that comes with that. Can any of you relate to that? I'm not raising my hand alone on this one. There's a weight that comes with that. Maybe you're worried about relationships in your life that are strained or maybe even some that are broken and it's a weight that you feel because your heart breaks for these relationships that maybe you no longer have anymore. Maybe for you, you're worried about your health or an illness and you're wondering, gosh, when am I going to catch a break? I know a number of people in my life who seem to get, it was like COVID, and then it was flu, and then it was pneumonia, and it was just one thing after another. And they're thinking, when am I going to get a break? What hope is there is the question that keeps being asked. What hope is there? I'm glad you asked that question. Did you ask that question this morning? I'm assuming you did. Right? I'm, I'm assuming you did. Well, today we're going to get into God's Word and we're going to see what He has to say to us about hope for me and for you today. Hope for me and you today and even hope for the future. So one of the things that we love to do here, if you're new here, is we love to stand together as we read God's Word. So could you stand with me? Could we all do that together? And the reason why we do this is we just posture and position ourselves under the Word of God. And we say, Lord, would you speak to us? So we're in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5 through 5 today. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time this is the word of the Lord you can be seated 
So what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to walk through this scripture. We're going to walk through this passage together. Sound good? We're going to have a couple of things that we're going to highlight in terms of how does this speak to us in terms of hope today for our world and even for us. A couple of things to highlight. The first one is hope for now. Hope for the now. Right here, right now, hope for the now. We see that Peter tells them that, uh, tells people that from God our Father, because of His great mercy, because of His great love for us, from God our Father, we have available to us, and this is what the scripture says, a living hope. We have available to us a living hope. That today for me and you, hope is alive. Today. Right now, for me and you, hope is available. And it's not hope that comes from our hard efforts. I don't know about you, but when it hits the fan in my life, I try to unhit the fan, if that makes sense. I try to get in and I try to do the hard work and do the efforts on my end. This is not the kind of hope we're talking about. This is not the kind of hope that is done, that is brought about from our hard efforts or trying to do everything right. It's not a hope that is wishful thinking. I hope that sometimes. Lord, I hope I hit the lottery. Maybe not that one, okay? Lord, I hope I get a Tesla. You know how I feel about Teslas, right? But that's like wishful thinking. And this is not the same kind of hope that we're talking about here. This is a hope that is certain, for sure, without a doubt, this kind of hope. It's a hope that is from God and it's a hope that is in God. A certain kind of hope. And this is why the psalmist says in Psalm 42 verse 5. I'll just read it real quick to you. But this is what he says here. He says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I don't know about you, but I can relate to that. Why my soul are you so downcast? That word downcast means to be low in spirit. You feel overwhelmed. Anybody feeling overwhelmed? <laughs> you feel overwhelmed. You feel exhausted. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why, my soul, are you so beat up? Why, my soul, are you running a hundred miles an hour? And he goes on to say, why so disturbed within me? You ever had that where you're just feeling so disturbed within yourself? That you feel this troubling inside or maybe feels like a washing machine inside because you're just maybe so burdened or overwhelmed with what life is throwing at you. His answer for that is, why my soul are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Hope in God. It's a hope that is certain. It's a hope that is sure. See, all too often we tend to place our hope in someone or something else. It could be a spouse, a parent, a child, a friend, a job, savings, our health, our abilities. You name it. We place our hope in all of these things. And can I tell you, as much as I, I love all of those things... Those things almost hardly never deliver on the hope that I need. They almost never deliver on the hope that I need. 
But what we see today is that from God our Father, I love the language that Peter is using here. He says, from God your Father in heaven, because of His great mercy, His love and His kindness toward you, available to us today is a living hope from God Himself that is certain and that is sure and that will never let you down and that will never fail and that will never come up short and will always deliver. Hope now. A living hope today. And the reason why we have this living hope, if you heard it when I read it, it's because hope is tied to the resurrection. Hope and resurrection go hand in hand. They hold hands together while they skip down the street. Hope and resurrection. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Can I tell you this? We have a living hope today for me and for you and for this world and for whatever we're going through because Jesus is alive. We have a living hope because Jesus is alive. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, If there was no resurrection that happened, if there was no resurrection that happened, then your faith is in vain. You're here on Sunday morning listening to me for no reason. If the resurrection didn't happen. But he says, because it's happened, and because he is alive, we have this living hope. Jesus, the one who lived a sinless life and was wrongly tried and crucified and was dead. I mean, dead, dead. He was like dead, dead. Wasn't halfway dead. He was just dead, dead. And buried and three days later by the power of the Holy Spirit rose from the dead and he is alive today. This is why we celebrate this. This is why Christians, billions of Christians around the world are worshiping today because he is alive. Amen? Come on, man. That's living hope. I'm getting all I'm not I'm getting all fired up. Alright, I'll dial it back. I'll dial it back. It's through this, it's through Jesus being alive that we have this living hope. The same way that God our Father stepped into the world and raised Jesus from the dead. Can I tell you this right now? He wants to step into your world today. The same way the Father stepped in by the power of the Holy Spirit and raised Jesus from the dead. He wants to step into your world today. It reminds me of back in Louisiana, probably eight years ago, if you don't know. Do I still have the accent? Have I lost it? No? Okay, some of you are new here. You're like, man, why does that dude sound like that? That's why. I'm from Louisiana, Shy. Okay. Oh, you see, it's coming out. <laughs> About eight years ago, we went back to visit my family. We're sitting on the front porch, and there's this swimming pool next to the front porch. And my littlest one, she was, she was tiny. And she was swimming, and she had these little floaties on. You know the floaties that you push up on your arms, right? Parents with kids, you know what I'm talking about? She had those floaty on, those floaty arm floaties on. And we were sitting on the porch, and we're just kicking it with my parents. And I see my little one climb up, and she jumps into the pool. And what happens is that one of the, she jumps in like this, one of the floaties go whoop, right off her arm. And so she's got one floaty arm and one floaty like this in the water. 
And the daddy in me went full on matrix. Okay? And I envisioned this thing in my head. The front porch was about eight feet off the ground. And I envisioned this thing in my head to where I got up out of my seat and I like over the handrail, off the front porch, superhero landed into the pool, grabbed the kid out of there, right? What happened was I went to jump off the handrail, my foot caught the handrail, I flipped over and landed on my back and for a minute was like, oh gosh. <laughs> Crawled up to the swimming pool, reached in and grabbed her out of there. It didn't go as planned, I still executed it though. And what came up in me, this is what I was thinking about this this morning. I was trying to connect the two. What came up in me was I seen my daughter in the pool in her hopelessness. If nobody would have been there, she would have drowned. And the father within me couldn't help. I was compelled by love to step in and rescue. And this is what Peter is saying today. Your father in heaven wants to step into your world right now. He wants to come in in your darkest moments, in your lowest moments, in your hopelessness moments. And he says, son and daughter, here I am. I see you. That's the father's heart for you. That's his love for you. A living hope that we have today for you and for me. God is so good. The second thing that we see is not only is there hope for the now, but there's hope for the future. I love this passage, man. When I got into this, I got all, I was preaching to the dog in the house and she went and took a nap. But he says in this passage, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance. Remember that. Can you say an inheritance with me? Inheritance? Inheritance. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. An inheritance. From the Father, un imperishable, unfading, undefiled, kept in heaven for each one of you. See, not only do we have hope in this life, but we also have hope in the life to come. This inheritance from God our Father through Jesus that is kept in heaven for me and for you. I love this word inheritance. The definition of it is... It's a process which involves the passing on of material property from one generation to another. Usually from family to family. From father to son, son, father to daughter, right? It's a passing down of things from the parent to the child. Or something like that within the family. And when it comes to family and inheritance, man, they are closely tied together. Family and inheritance, especially if you read the scriptures, the Old Testament. Family and inheritance are closely tied together. So to really grasp how awesome this is, this family and inheritance tie, we really have to go back to the beginning. See, in the beginning, when God created heaven and the earth, he was in the garden with Adam and Eve in relationship with humanity. God and people in relationship together. 
And then by Adam and Eve's wanting to do their own thing, which gosh, I relate to that because so many times I'm like that way. I want to do my own thing. With Adam and Eve wanting to do their own thing rather than do what God wanted them to do, sin entered into the world. And this is what I love about it because if you read the story, and that's what the Bible is, it's just a big story from beginning to end. If you read the story all throughout history, God has been at work to restore the relationship between us and Him from the very beginning. He has been restoring, he's been at work wanting to restore the relationship between us and him. And one of the ways you see this played out, just if you jump in your Bible and you want to read this, anytime there's a mention of like the tabernacle or the temple or anything like that, this is God's representation of heaven and earth meeting together and God being with his people. So in the tabernacle, they would walk into the first section and only like regular people could go in there. And then in the second section, it was like where they would offer all the, the sacrifices. And it was like only the priests can go in there. And then in the third section, what they called the Holy of Holies, only the high priest can go in that. And he would only go in there once a year to offer sacrifices for the entire nation. One person going into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God. When we jump into the New Testament, we see the temple. They had what they called Solomon's porch, which was like where all the regular people hanged out at. Then they had the sanctuary where the priests were at and they offered sacrifices. And then again, they had this gigantic curtain that wrapped around it between the sanctuary and the Holy of Holies. This humongous curtain that went all the way around. And again, only the high priest could go in there. And he only went in there once a year to offer sacrifices for the nation of people. Everything changed when Jesus showed up. When Jesus showed up and uh, he took sin upon himself, he hung on the cross. He was wrongly tried and crucified. When he hung on the cross and he breathed his last, all the sin of the world, all the wrongdoings, all the stuff that you've done and I've done and everybody else has done was placed on him and the check was written. Written? Written. The check was written. And the debt was paid. There was no longer any debt to be paid because he paid that debt. And this is what I love about this story. If you read it in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, it says that when he breathed his last, the veil, the curtain that went around the Holy of Holies and separate, separated everybody from God, it says that that veil was torn in two from top to bottom. That means there's no longer any separation between us and God. There's no longer just one person going into the Holy of Holies to be with God. You. You can come into the very presence of God. And because of this, because of what Jesus has done, because of what has been paid, now we're adopted into the family of God. <laughs> family and inheritance. You was wondering where I was going. This is like a gumbo pie, baby. It slowly cooks and I keep stirring it. We are adopted into the family of God now. And family inheritance go hand in hand. That through Jesus, you and I have a reservation spot for us in God's kingdom. You have a, you have a parking spot that says your name on it. To put it in our language. How many of you want that? 
Every time I drive up to the hospital and I see a parking spot that's right by the front door and it says Dr. So-and-so on it, I'm like, you know what? I could, I could be him for the day, right? It's a reservation spot for you and for me in the kingdom. But it also means so much more. What it means now that we are adopted into the family of God is that your past, every wrong that you've done, every sin that you've made, every gossip and mistreating of people, everything that you've done, it doesn't have the final say in your life anymore. Think about that. It doesn't have the final say in your life anymore. You have a new story. Death doesn't have the final say in our life anymore. We have a space kept for us in God's kingdom. Man, when I do funerals and I sit with people and as families and as people are passing from this life into the next through death's doorway, they're so encouraged by what the scripture says that one day we will see him face to face. Death doesn't have the final say anymore. All the wrongs that you've done, it doesn't have the final say anymore. The worst thing that's happened in your life isn't the last thing. You adopted into the family. This is why we celebrate the resurrection today. All of this, that there's hope for the now, today, for you and me, for whatever you're going through, whatever your family's going through, your neighbors are going through, there's hope now, today, a living hope that is available for us. Hope for the now, and then there's hope for the future. There's an inheritance waiting for you. There's a spot in the kingdom that has your name on it. All the things that you've said and done and all that stuff, is no, it no longer has a final say in your life. All of this is found in Jesus and He is alive today. Amen? Amen. Whew. You see, I, I had too much coffee this morning. That's what it is. So we're going to do this morning, as we close, we're going to have the worship team come up. Would you all stand with me? We're going to sing this one final song, and then we're going to get all to the festives and all that kind of stuff. But as we sing this final song, man, let's like... I know this ain't this is not the bluegrass festival and all that stuff, but we I think we can compete with him in our singing, right? Come on now. So as we sing this final song, men, let's as we sing this final song, man, let's really sing it. Let's go for it. Let's celebrate that there's hope now for us and there's hope for the future and that he is alive today. Some closing thoughts for you, some practicals. If you heard this today and you're like, Wayne, what do I do? I know some of you out there like to do stuff. Wayne, what do I do? For some of you, you might already find yourself in the family of God. And if that's the case, man, praise God. How awesome. You hear this today and you think, man, that is so good, Wayne, to be reminded of all of that. But for some of you today, can I just say this? For some of you today, you might be thinking, man, Wayne, I, I, I'm just on this journey of trying to even figure out who God is. 
I'm on this journey right now of how trying to figure out who Jesus is. Or you might be thinking, man, Wayne, I want what you're talking about there. All that that you said, I want that. If that's the case, what do you do? The scriptures make it really, really clear. Jesus makes it really clear. In the Gospel of John in chapter 1, he says that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, he gave the right to become children of God. You're adopted into the family. Whoever believes in him. Now this belief is not like, a, oh, I believe, but kind of, you know what I'm saying? The belief is like, let's say Chick-fil-A was giving away free chicken sandwiches today. We would all jump in our cars and take off. It's a belief that leads you to action. It's a belief that uh, you, 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 you adopt your lifestyle into whatever that belief is leading you into. And so for us here, we're on a journey as a church of wanting to be with Jesus and become like Jesus and do what he did as followers. And so for you, if you've never got to that point where you said, you know what, I want to do that. We have these little yellow connect cards there. We're not going to make you raise your hand and all that kind of stuff, which that's awesome. We got these little yellow connect cards here. Would you just say, hey, I want to be a part of the family. Or I said yes to Jesus for the first time today. This is my encouragement to you. Don't wait. A lot of people are like, hey, I, I need to get right before I get with God. God already got right for you to get with him. Did I say that right? My English is terrible. He already, God already did it all. There's no more right you can get than what God's already done. So if that's you, and you're like, man, I would like to say yesterday, grab me or fill out one of those cards. I'd love to be able to pray for you. We'd love to be able to say, hey, let's journey together as a church family and being with Jesus and becoming like him and doing what he did. Amen.